hopefully this is working yep okay cool right i think we are live on the podcast on the phone bear with me guys okay cool right so hey mark hey andrea right so basically what we're going to do i'm going to explain a little bit how this is going to work so um if you guys on the podcast i don't know why i'm looking at you keep looking at the phone what we're doing here is, um, if you guys don't know about me and my podcast, I'm going to do a little bit of um, just a background on me, about my diabetes and um, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you guys on the Facebook Live, obviously you guys know me quite well, so we're going to bear with this a little bit. Um, but basically what we do is on the live Q&As on my Diabetic Journey page on Facebook, I answer questions as they pop up. We talk about topics in, to do with diabetes in relation to whether it's diet or exercise or whatever it might be. So, hey John, how's it going, buddy? So you hear me mentioning and add and welcoming people on the call. Um, and then basically, I just want to do a podcast. I want to start it because I feel like it's a great format for people to get involved on. Um, it's easy to listen to. People can watch on uh, hear it on the way around. It's a great little audio idea. I'm hoping that this is going to work quite well uh, for the future, but it is the first one, so please bear with me if there's any issues. Um, Yeah, morning, John. How's it going, buddy, from over Australia? That is great. So what I'm going to start with, I'm just going to start with a bit of my background. So um, I'm going to kind of talk to you guys who can see me on the live Q&A on Facebook, and then try and talk to the uh, phone here on my right-hand side so that you guys can hear me okay too. Um... But basically the whole, I kind of, I've had diabetes now for 15 years. Now, when I was first diagnosed, uh, I was I was 15. Uh, so obviously coming up to 30 this year. Uh, so I've had diabetes type 1 for 15 years now. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a struggle when I first was diagnosed in the sense of it was tough because I was sort of, I was a teenager, um... I kind of had my habits. I was used to what I liked, what I liked. So I liked, I knew what I, I had my own habits, my good or bad habits, whatever you want to be coming out to food, exercise, training, that sort of stuff. And it, it, it was hard for me to adapt to something that I hadn't, I got so used to. So to be told that I was diabetic was a real shock to me. And I was straight into denial. I just kind of flat out point break refused to believe that I was a diabetic um so it was tough for me to kind of get past that point and it took me quite a few years um purely because I didn't have a lot of support so my family were great my mum and dad were great um cool so uh sorry guys just reading the phone as well as you go <laughs> yeah so I've had you know, I, I I was I had kind of support at the start in the sense of my diabetic nurse and my mum was always a great help to me because she she is well was a nurse so she had a lot of knowledge so I kind of fed off that a lot, um, and it was a real struggle for me. Hey Joanne, to kind of get my head to grips with it, but you know it took me a long time. So I went from fifteen through to sort of seventeen, not doing too bad, kind of on the brink of control and losing control. Um, you know, probably the only reason I didn't lose control at that point was because I had my family and friends and support around me. Uh, so that kind of kept me on track. 
but then I went to university. Now, as everyone knows, if you've ever been to uni, um, it could be, it's, it's an amazing experience. But I kind of, I just wanted to be like everyone else, you know. I wanted to go out partying and have a great time. And the last thing that was on my mind was sitting down, testing my blood and, and reacting with my insulin and, and dealing with food. And as everyone knows, at, at uni, you don't eat great. You kind of, it's not the best. You know, you're eating on a budget. You're not eating great food. So... I finished university 22, going on 23. Um, I was nine and a half stone. So I'm a six foot, just on a six foot one guy. And um, I was nine and a half stone. So it gives you a picture. I was very malnourished. I was not looking after myself. The the diabetic nurses at the HP1C test have told me, if you carry on this way, you will not see your 50th birthday. So... The only reason that that because uh, I've been told that stuff before, you know, like they you always kind of get scaremongered a little bit. Um, they kind of give you that, um, you know, you need to sort this out. Otherwise, this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. But what I find with diabetes, and I said it before in my lives, is you can abuse it for quite a long while and nothing will happen. Like nothing will really change. But if you all of a sudden it will just come out of nowhere and blindside you. Um, I feel like if diabetes, if you abuse it for like a couple of weeks and then you start to see some issues, you'd sort it out a lot quicker. But because you can kind of get away with poor control for a while, it makes you kind of, um, lures you into a false sense of security and makes you think that you're going to be okay. And whatever the doctors are saying is just bullshit. <laughs> so yeah, um, that kind of what caught me out at 22. Um, and I started to have some, some issues with my eyes due to that poor control for so many years. And yeah, so at this point, I was like, right, I need to, I need to get down to grips with this. I need to actually get my head into this. I need to look after myself, not only for me, but for my family and my partner. And you know, moving forward, I didn't want to not be around in the future for my family that are, you know, my kids and and stuff like that. So it, that was kind of the we we spoken before about negative enforcement and positive enforcement and a reason to to do what we do and, and the reason why to stay on track and why to do your blood every day and, and you know look after yourself 100% every day it's tough as a diabetic you cannot put it down you cannot forget about it over the weekend you can't shelve it and pick it up on Monday when you go back into work you know it's 24 7 seven like seven days a week week in week out for the rest of your life um that is scary that is what scares a lot of people i know it scared me i know it put me in amazingly in that denial phase for a long period of time and what i found was um i kind of came out of that and decided i needed to change and then i need to do it soon so off the back of that news and making that decision, that was kind of like the point where I decided, right, that is enough. Let's go, let's get this done. So I kind of, I started um, going on YouTube and looking up training videos on there. Shout out to Steve Cook, because he was my inspiration at the time. I still love following him. Another guy called Jason Poston, he's, an, uh, he's a diabetic bodybuilder, uh, IFBB pro, and I love following him purely because I can relate to him. And, you know, it was it was just amazing to follow these people, seeing how well they were doing and how fitness was kind of changing their, their lifestyle and their outlook on life. So I just started getting to the gym. I didn't know a clue what I was doing. I just started training 
Um, and alongside that, I started to kind of just learn a bit more about nutrition and learn a little bit more about what I was putting in my body and then how my body reacted to what I put it in. And that taught me a lot. Um, and it was kind of more trial and error than anything else. I kind of tried to figure out food and how it related to me. And through that, I mean, it probably took me about five or six years to now get to the point where I competed on, in, in men's physique uh, bodybuilding. I've um, obviously put on a lot of lean muscle. I'm a lot healthier. I have no issues with my diabetes anymore. It is very well controlled. I look after it. And through that process of the six was you know, going on, well, it must be six or seven years now, uh, or even more, um, where I now try and reach out and provide support, advice, help, uh, programming online to help other diabetics who are going through or have been through what what I've been through. Um, I want to try and help them people get through there with a helping hand, support, and knowing that they're not alone and I feel like the only person that can provide that kind of support is a fellow diabetic and I don't know if you guys agree uh talking to you guys obviously on the live here um hit me up with some thumbs up if it's the case you know it's all about supporting each other through the same stuff that we both or all of us go through you know whether it be you know one of them days where no matter what you do your bloods will never go behave and it'll be all over the place or it'll be um you know you just have one of those days where you don't eat the greatest diet and then your next day you're playing catch up you know so it's it can be tough um but i feel like no, strength is in numbers i've and it's all about supporting each other so that's what i try and do uh either via social media like i said or my my one-to-one -one programs that I run for you guys, um, and now via podcast, which is another cool way. So shout out to you guys. This is obviously, like I said, it's the first podcast episode um, for My Diabetic Chronicles. So if you guys want to, if you're on the podcast and you're listening to this back, I'm going to put this out there now so we know kind of the format of how this is going to go forward. Um, I run a live Q&A on My Diabetic it's basically a page on Facebook called My Diabetic Journey. You can find me on there and I run the live on there. So you can actually ask me questions that then filter into the podcast. So basically the podcast is an audio version of the live Q&As I will hold every Monday night at 8.30 or 9pm. Um, and basically it's just rattling through questions from fellow diabetics. We'll chat about everything and anything. Um, it's going to be spontaneous. It's going to be on the spot. Um, I think that's quite cool. I think it's a little bit different than a lot of other podcasts because um, we might get a few guests on now and then. We might share some screens on here or it might just be a pure podcast. I'm not sure yet. But we're just going to see how this goes. I think it's kind of a cool concept to try and do both at the same time. Um, whether I've bitten off more than I can chew, I do not know. But if you guys on the call have got questions on the live here, um, please start shooting them up. Uh, hey, Simon, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, if you have questions, just shoot them up. Let's um, let's start chatting. I have a few things that I kind of going to cover over a couple of topics. Uh, I'll cover. Um, so I'll kind of start on those, and if you guys have questions, uh, let them jump up, and we'll go from there. So I'm gonna move you over there so I can read this. <laughs> oh dear. So I'm hoping this is working well. I hope this is going okay. Um, bear with me on the live, guys. If I'm jumping between screens. Um, so, 
One of the questions I got asked, obviously we, I do get a couple of questions coming throughout the week, over the weekend. Uh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? I just thought of another one. Um, I'm just gonna write it down now so I don't forget. I'm one of them people. So, I'm gonna start with that one. Um, I posted up a couple of pictures of my blood sugars. And they normally sit about four or five. Um, I'm not sure what that is in new money. Uh, it's, um, but yeah, four or five. Now, that's an average for me. Because, because of my range is between four and seven. My range is standardly quite lower than, than an average diabetics. Or, protect, well, it's more of a, it's lower than what the average NHS or like nurse would would rather you be at. They like you being between six and ten, uh, purely because it's it's not safer, but I guess it's more manageable because it's a wider range. Um, it 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 allows for more fluctuation, right? So for me, I sit between four and seven purely because my control is at that point where that's just where my body is happy to be. So I don't feel low until about two. Um, and a lot of people that scares the shit out of some people are like, that is ridiculous. But I've, I never was like that. Like a low, at one point, a low for me was like eight, you know? So over the years, I've built my, I've just worked on my control and my diet and my nutrition and exercise, all those things factored in to help like bring my range back into a healthy area. And then it's just become more and more uh, strict. So the goalposts have kind of come closer together. Um, so I put a post up. A lot of people saying like, "What's what's healthy for me?" Like I, I keep getting, I'll get told off if I was at that level. So I just kind of want to cover the fact that it, it depends. It totally depends on the diabetic. So like I said, for me, a low for me is two. A low for you might be four. It depends on what your current range is and what your average blood sugars are. That will then dictate whether you are, um, you know, where your low will be, where your high will be. And it will be different for everyone. Obviously, there'll be some similarities everywhere, but, you know, it's, it's going to be specific for you. So you need to, so don't kind of compare your numbers to my numbers in that sense, because obviously my range is going to be different to yours. But just know that, you know, you want to be at a healthy range for you. So if your range is between 6 and 10, you know, then, or oh, sorry, 4 and 10, then you know that you know six, seven is a nice, good number for you to be at. I know my range between four and four and seven, so six, five are cool numbers for me. You know, and I kind of now work on a on a on a decimal point level. So six point two is cool. Five point eight is I feel great. A sort of high five point something. Um, you know, five point eight to to six is a really good area for me. Um, yeah, 4.8, 4.9 is a little coming down a little bit much. So, hey, John, how's it going, buddy? Uh, it's really important for me to be aware of that. And that's what testing is all about. It's just making sure that we're not going to get caught out at some point. Um, oh, yeah, I'm getting some... Uh, also, <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting them from. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, really happy with how that is going. But, yeah, I just wanted to cover that because I know that um, I posted that up a little bit and there's a couple of people asking those questions. So I thought I'd address it on here because obviously everyone can watch it back. Um, I've got 
Andy Turner, I hit the gym hard every night and I keep waking up um, through the night at two or three. I've reduced my uh, glargine, any regulations on food before bed. If you're, so you've you've reduced it, you've reduced your long, long acting already um, and you can either address that again, it might be more reduction or for me it might be that you're fast acting with your nighttime meal is maybe a little bit too much or you increase your carbohydrates in your last meal. Um, I would suggest more of a low GI, slow release carbohydrate, something like a sweet potato, um, where it will carry you through the night a little bit more and it will help sort of balance out your insulin throughout the throughout the night so you're not waking up at two or three uh, at night, so or in the morning, should I say. Um, so maybe give that a go, maybe uh, add a bit of slow GI carbohydrate into your last meal, um, and just see how your body reacts to that. Uh, what I would do is if you do that, kind of work off your car your carb ratio, so that you cut you're covered for that, and see how you go throughout the night. If you're still waking up um, going low, then you, that might mean that your ratio is not quite right, and you need to address your your ratio for your carbohydrate to insulin. So it might be something to do with that. Um, and if that if it doesn't change or if anything it increases, then you know that you need more insulin at that nighttime meal. Um, it's all about just seeing trial and error, see how your body uh, reacts to it, and go from there. But something like that will work really well. Um, you can have like fish uh, with some sweet potato wedges and some and some sort of vegetables. It's just an easy thing to think of off the top of my head. Um, so I'm going to crack on with a couple more questions that I've got. So um, another question was sort of. Sort of top foods and worst foods uh, for. I got yeah, it's kind of a tricky one. Like top foods, worst foods for for diabetic control or sugar carbohydrate content, that sort of stuff. It's a hard one. There's a lot of different kind of um, thought process on this. How is it, Shelley? How's it going? I feel like I mean, I think it's really hard because you can't really. You can split good and bad food. I don't like giving food that kind of labeling. There's food that is, yeah, has more process done to it, more things added to it. Um, but at the same time, it, it depends on your goal with your health. Like for me, I want to be, I want to eat clean, live a healthy lifestyle, and at the moment, try and drop some body fat. So I need to uh, sort of change my diet dependent on that goal, which means I need to be in a calorie deficit, and I need to be in uh, enough food for my body to function, but not so much that it has to, it's in a surplus of, of calories. Um, so like some of the simple rules I stick to, one being if I look at a food, I wanna know, if I look for a food that has, if you think of it, the less hands that touch your food before it gets to you, the better, all right? So think of it like that. So for example, we get our eggs, me and my partner, from a farmer. So he literally gets it from his chickens, he, he boxes them, and he sends them to us, or we pick them up from him, basically. So you see there's only like maybe one or two people that work within that process chain for you to get your food. Now if you look at something like a pre-packaged, um, even like chicken breast, like if you go to the, the shop and buy a, you know, a pack of chicken breasts, there's a lot more process chain in there. So, you know, from the from the poultry farm, transportation to 
um, the slaughterhouse, then from the slaughterhouse to the factory to be turned into like the chicken, then packaged, then shipped, then distributed to the supermarket, and then it's available to you. You see how many more people are involved in that, how many more process has to go through, how many more chemicals are involved, etc., etc. So you can argue the same case for chicken as you can for like a pizza. The pizza will go through just as many process things, um, but one can be classed as good and one can be classed as bad. So it's a really kind of, it's a very touchy subject at the moment, I feel, within social media and, and communities and nutrition and stuff like that. Obviously, I always try and pick the cleanest sources of food possible for my diet, whether it's got, uh, organic type food to uh, sourcing it from local butchers or sourcing it locally so it's, it works better for me. Um, sometimes I'm not that lucky. So, you know, it's working with the best you have at the time. So that means that you can only have, uh, I don't know, like, you know, say, take chicken breast, for example. If you can't, you don't have a local butcher or a farmer or something like that, and you have to use the supermarket, then it's about finding the best type in a supermarket for you. And this also goes down to financially what you can afford, you know, like organic chicken is expensive as hell compared to, you know, Audi chicken or, or like frozen, frozen chicken. You know, so it's about understanding, it's about having a balance between what you what you morally accept is good to what you can afford and be consistent with. Now, like basically that's the, the main goal I look to is as clean and as sort of um, unprocessed as, pro as possible for my diet, whether that be lean protein sources, fruit, veg, carbohydrates, um, eggs, fish. Uh, that's the main stuff I eat down to whether it would be um, no water, for example, like try and filtered water, etc. What I try and stay clear of is processed foods, prepackaged foods, obviously your chocolate, you know, all the sugary treats. Don't get me wrong, I still have a, I still enjoy a night out now and then with family and friends, my partner. Um, you know, I will go to the cinema and have all that stuff. But understand that that is a very few and far between thing. And if you add it up, like for example, if I added up all my weekly meals, you know, like looking at, I don't know, it's like what, five? Oh, I'm so bad at maths, like 30, 35, 40 meals a week. If I have one of those off, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not a big deal. If it's the other way and I'm having, you know, 40 meals a week, or not even that, like 20 meals a week, or 25 or 30 or how many times you can you have a meal in a day and you know one third of that proportion is poor processed food then your health goals your diabetic control and everything else that you're working towards will be a lot harder um and it, it will end up working against you and you'll find yourself just sort of stuck at where you are not moving forward not moving back or worse be you end up deteriorating and moving and moving away from your goal. So just be aware of what you're putting on your plate. Like we all know, like processed food, prepackaged food, um, you know, stuff like. I mean, I tend to. I don't have any dairy. I tend to stay away from dairy. You know, people will say why, and I always say, well, um, we're not actually designed to diet like processed dairy or milk or stuff like that. It's designed for another total breed of animal, being cow. Um, your human body is not actually designed to digest it, so why would you consume it? But a lot of people do, and they and that's cool. That that's your choice. But for me, I find that I'm less bloated. I feel a lot better without it in my system. So when it comes to good food or bad foods, I think it depends on 
several other factors. Depends on what your goals are. It depends on um, what you feel comfortable doing. It depends on what your financial situation is and what you can afford to 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 feed. You know, like I said, if you've got a family to feed, you can't be buying the top brand fillet steak from like the the butcher because it's just unrealistic. You need to adjust accordingly. Uh, but the main thing with diet and all that sort of stuff, and it, it doesn't matter what sort of diet protocol you follow or what you're interested in, or if you want to be vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian or whatever kind of tarian, <laughs> um, it all comes down to consistency. Doing the same process day in, day out, and consistently over a long period of time to gain the result that you want. Um, particularly being diabetic, it is a lot easier if you're consuming the same types of food most days, or at least the same type, uh, amount of macros per meal, whether it be protein, carbs, and fats, because then it makes it easier for you to not have to adjust your insulin so radically when it comes to to uh, dealing with your. Um, oh, what was I going to say? When you're having to deal with. Say for example, I have the same meal every day, and then all of a sudden I change up all the different types of food I have in a day. It means I have to recalculate all my ratios and, and redo it all, and go through like maybe a day or two of of like um, adjustment before I get back to where I was. Whereas at least if I keep the same uh, protein, well not the same type of protein, but the same amount of protein macro, then it makes it easier for me to um, figure out. Uh, what we got down here? Jenna says I need. She needs one of my pep talks. Had a pretty uh, shitty week and bad news blood test wise. All right, Jenna. Well, you know we've spoke before, and Jenna's an old client of mine. Um, you know it. It's hard because it's so hard for me to motivate, well, not motivate people, but um, to understand why you can't motivate yourself in the sense of, you know, you've done it before. I know you have because I've been there when you've done it. And there's no reason why you can't achieve everything that you're looking to achieve. Like you've done it before, no matter what news you get, um, I always feel like no matter what news you get, it can always be worse. There can always be something that can be, and I, I know it sounds really morbid and really, but I think diabetes now, like maybe you asked me te- like 10 years ago, I would have shouted at you and told you to go screw yourself, but now, I could think of a lot worse things to deal with. At least you can manage it. At least you can control it and leave a lead a like a normal lifestyle. It comes down to your perception on life and what you can achieve. So, I think the best thing there, Jenna, is to message me directly and we can chat one to one about what's going on because it's it's going to be too hard to get into detail about what's going on with your blood tests and stuff like that. Um, Shelly, use on me for your shake still. Uh, I use um, if I ever if I do use any milk substitute, it's normally coconut milk, purely because it's sweeter and it's a little bit more watery. If I have a shake or a smoothie, um, I tend to use that purely because I don't like really thick shakes, and I find almond milk makes it really thick. Um, hey, Greg, how's it going, buddy? Almond milk goes well in shakes, but not so much in a cup. <laughs> yeah, not so much in a cup of tea. Um, but yeah, we'll switch the cup of tea out for some green tea or something. Uh, John, apart from changing your target area workouts each day, how else do you keep the gym interesting? Um, several different ways. One is, yeah, you can either change up the types of exercises you're doing in the gym per exercise. So, like, if I, you're doing a chest workout, for example, maybe try some a different exercise you've never tried before or switch it up 
um, move them around. Another way is to train with with someone else because I know that I've learned a hell of a lot more from training with someone. They might do an exercise completely differently to how I would do it, and it gives you a whole different feel. So, pardon me. <laughs> um, I feel like that's that's another great way. So find a find a training partner. Um, that, that you don't mind training with now and then, just to keep it interesting. It's good to kind of, not socialize, you don't want to ruin your workout and spend too much time chatting. But also at the same time, you need to be, you might learn something new from them. Uh, or what I used to do, and sometimes I still do now, is that I will train with someone who's who lifts more than me, or is bigger than me, or has been you know in the gym longer. Um, purely because then that drives me to up my weight. It drives me to push a bit harder. It also teaches me a lot more because of the you know the knowledge that person has. So that's a cool thing to do. Another thing is just get out of the gym, go do something else. Uh, whether it goes play, maybe start playing a sport or pick up another activity ho- hobby that you can do. Um, so it might be you know you do love cycling or you love a sport and you don't really like for example like last year i started playing american football um you know i've always loved the sport and i thought hell why not give it a go so just sort of find stuff like that to keep it interesting because the great thing about you know choosing a sport it completely changed my whole training protocol and how i train for that sport it focused me on a lot of different things and in turn it actually like revolutionized my weight training and now when i go back to more what i do now is it's improved all my compound lifts it's helped me um sort of build a better foundation to now build a build from so stuff like that change up the exercises a bit change up um where you are so maybe get out the gym do something if you're doing cardio every other day maybe do your cardio outdoors or you know join a cycle club or running club uh, or even just a walking club if you don't want to go too extreme um and yeah, maybe train with someone else who kind of inspires you or you look up to because I know that um, it could be really hard to reach out to them people as well in the gym. But I guarantee they're not as scary as you think. Um, you know, sometimes you can seem come across a little bit like that, but um, it's really not that bad. So yeah, so those are cool ways of doing it. Hey Tom, how's it going, buddy? Uh one last thing I kind of wanted to cover before we finish up here tonight. I'm not going to do a long, long call tonight. We're on half an hour already. Um, is sort of acceptance, understanding. Now, when I spoke about my story earlier, the pivotal pivotal point for me when I realised that st- stuff was getting worse and I had the I I was in control was that I actually there's this funny little mindset that diabetics seem to take on sometimes and i've been guilty of it is that you push diabetes away because you want to be normal but the more you push it away the harder it is to be normal all right so i don't know if it makes sense but it makes sense in my mind right (laughs) but what i'm saying is um a lot of diabetics shun their diabetes and don't talk about it and hide it and don't inject in public and all this stuff because they feel like, um, because they don't want to be diabetics. They don't want to be it. They want a normal life. They call it like a normal life. I want to be normal. I want to be like everyone else. Um, so I've got to push this away. I've got to push diabetes away because it's that's the thing that's making me abnormal. That's, put, that's not letting me fit in. And I feel like... Um, the 
best decision I made was to finally accept the fact that it cannot be shunned or pushed away. Um, and the craziest thing happened when I did that was the fact that when I accepted the fact that I was diabetic and it wasn't going anywhere and I have full control on what I do and how, um, how it reacts to me and how my blood sugar reading was, I took responsibility for it. It actually got me the normal life that I wanted. Because the more you push diabetes away, the more it negatively impacts your life in the sense of making you feel ill, runs you down, you're grumpy, tired, um, you're thirsty the whole time, you, your fatigue is, you know, you're so fatigued, you have no energy for anything else, you become snappy, like this is just me. Like, <laughs> that's what I used to be like. I used to have these massive like temper tantrums and ang uh, a anger swings and oh my god I was the worst person to be around it and the crazy thing that I knew that wasn't me I knew that wasn't who I was as a person but I couldn't stop myself and once I accepted the fact that I was diabetic I became me I became who I am as a person and I feel like that is the hardest thing to accept as a diabetic and actually do but by far the most important thing that, that you can do. So if you guys can take one thing away from the live or the podcast today, is to just let that diabetes in. Just let it in and let it become part of you. Because if it becomes part of you, you can control it. If you can control it, you choose what, you, what it does and how, it, how it, well it goes or bad it goes. You know, you can control its effect on your life. And in turn, you can lead a normal life. Like, the way I look at it is a blood test takes like five, what, 10 seconds. An injection maybe takes like, if I'm being generous, like 30. You know, so within a minute and a half, maybe say two minutes, you've done what you needed to do. And you know, what, we've got 24 hours in a day. You do, for me, I, I inject maybe like five times, six times a day. You know, so that's like 20 minutes of my day. It's really not that much, that much of a big impact on my life and on my day-to-day -day routine. So if you can accept the fact that you are diabetic and understand that it's not going to go away no matter how hard you shun it and push it away, I guarantee your life will become easier. All right? So that's kind of where I'm going to leave it tonight. Unless we've got any more questions coming through. Uh, fatigue is bad when you're out of control. Like my H1C is, is an average of 9 from like 13 still get it, but not as bad. Yeah, so, I mean, you come down, Jennifer, you come down from 13 to nine, which is a fucking awesome achievement. You should be really proud of that. Um, but also, you know, that's, for me, if you can do that, you can get it down to six. You can get it to wherever you want it to be because it's the same process. It's just consistently sticking to it, you know? Um, so if you can do that, then you can, you can control the shit out of diabetes. I give you that, okay? Carol, um, start on the pump, uh, godsend. <laughs> I know a lot of people love the pump. Um, I've had a few questions saying like, why haven't I started on it or will I ever, or even the CGMs or the Dexcoms and stuff like that. They're also bits of kit if you need them. Like, do you see what I mean? Like I've always done the old school way of testing and injections that's how I taught myself. That's how I gained the control I have now. I know the routine. I know how it works my body. I know, do you mean like, 
like you guys heard me speak about before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I stick to that. And I feel like if I get on a pump, it's taking that pump away from someone else who would definitely need it more than me. So um, also get bits of kit if you feel like you need them and you can warrant, you can warrant the use of them. Uh, but yeah, I know a lot of people are having great success from them. So it's awesome to hear people having good control from them. So all right, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all for getting on live. Um, if you listen to the podcast back, uh, thank you all for listening. I will release uh, episode two next week. Um, we'll cover some different topics and some more fun stuff, diabetic health, fitness related. If you do want to get involved with the live from the podcast, go over to My Diabetic Journey on Facebook. You can um, subscribe to the page and pick up all the tips and information and advice we put on there, as well as the live Q&As, which run alongside that on a Monday night. Um, failing that, you can also add me on Facebook. David John Stanway is my name on Facebook. And if you want to add me on Instagram, it's DJ Stanway 66. I put up lots of just advice and health and tips and just my day-to-day stuff with diabetes. So go check it out. Um, thank you all for listening. Guys, thank you all for being on my live. I love you all immensely. Um, thank you all for being a part of this journey with me, and I really do appreciate every single one of you. So catch you all next week. If you're watching this back and you have questions, drop me a message. I'm more than happy to help. Um, and we'll speak to you guys next week. Have a good one. Love you. Bye.